Hey everyone, I am glad that you are here for week three of our I Am series, and uh, we're going to jump right into that third I Am statement, really the third and fourth I Am statement that we're going to look at today found in John chapter 10. So if you got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and go there to John chapter 10, and while you're going there, let me kind of set the stage for what is happening for you. Um, I know when you read your Bible, we have these chapters and verses, right, and they're in there for very helpful reasons to help us locate and reference specific scriptures that we're looking for to help us follow along when we read together. But it's important to remember when each of these letters, books, prophecies were written, they weren't written with those breakdowns. And sometimes though meant to be helpful, those chapter breaks can kind of throw us off a little bit. I think here in John chapter 10, we're given an example of that because what we're going to read in John chapter 10 is not a standalone teaching of Jesus. Matter of fact, it flows directly out of a confrontation that Jesus had with religious leaders in John chapter 9. And we can't miss that context of John chapter 9 if we're really going to understand what Jesus is talking about in John chapter 10. So here's what happens in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, Jesus is met with a man who has been born blind. And his disciples are wondering, well, why is this guy blind? Did he do something wrong? Did his parents do something wrong? Whose fault was it? Ultimately, Jesus heals the man and tells him to go then present himself uh, to the religious leaders. He does that. The religious leaders question him, how were you healed? He says, you know, it was this Jesus guy. And he begins to proclaim, confess Jesus as the Messiah. As you might imagine, this does not set well with the religious leaders. And they throw him out. They throw him out of the, out of the temple. They throw him out and kind of say, you can no longer be a part of this because of your faith in Jesus. And so it's, it's right there in the middle of that encounter that Jesus then hears about it and goes to confront those religious leaders about them throwing out this blind man uh, that he is healed. And so when we come to John chapter 10, this teaching that revolves around this idea of sheep and their shepherd is an overflow of that confrontation. It's the same place. It's the same people. Matter of fact, the healed man, and more importantly, the Pharisees who had thrown him out, were probably all still right there crowded together when Jesus shifted gears into this teaching on shepherds. In fact, in some ways, those Pharisees who had become false shepherds, Jesus is going to identify them as thieves and robbers in chapter 10. Those people had become the point of his teaching. You see, these religious leaders of Jesus' day, not just the Pharisees, but specifically here the Pharisees, had become so spiritually abusive that rather than protecting and caring for the people of God, they were instead preying on them. And they were using people as a means to further their own political agenda and financial prosperity. That's what happened here in John chapter 9. And as much as I would like to say that that kind of treatment by religious leaders is a thing in the past that it doesn't happen anymore, the hard reality is that that kind of treatment is still all too common in churches today. The truth is, people have been hurt by the church, and people have been hurt by leaders of the church. And maybe you are one of those people. 
Sometimes that hurt comes because the thieves and robbers that we're going to see Jesus talk about, those false shepherds, have used, abused, and preyed upon people, just like the religious leaders in Jesus' day. Um, Sometimes that hurt comes because the sheep uh, just feel hurt when they really shouldn't. Uh, What I mean by that is sometimes that the truth we need to hear and the growth that we need to experience can feel painful And then we say, oh, that was the church's fault. No, that's just the growing process. But in my experience, most of the time, the hurt is because even the best shepherds among us are still flawed. Matter of fact, they're still broken sheep themselves. And ultimately, those pastors, those shepherds, are not going to be able to do the things that we look to them to do. And I absolutely believe that's the case. You know, I know that there are uh, bad shepherds out there. I know that there are people who have needlessly got their feelings hurt. But I absolutely believe that in most cases where people have been hurt by the church and church leaders, it is not because of malicious spiritual abuse and malpractice, but it's because church leaders uh, have hurt people unintended. It's been accidental. And usually... It's been deeply regretted. Now, I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for many good and godly pastors and church leaders that I know personally. When folks leave our churches hurt, it hurts us too because we didn't mean it. And if we could go back and fix it, we would in many cases. Um, It hurts us when we fail to help the people that God has entrusted to us. And so I think the question we have to ask is, well, what do we do about that then, right? Do we just resign ourselves to the fact that churches and pastors are always going to be imperfect and let people down? Should we just give up on the local church? Absolutely not. The local church is God's plan A for the world. The local church is the hope of the world. And here what we're going to see in John chapter 10, even though Jesus was speaking to his sheep thousands of years ago, He's going to remind us today that our hope was never in any human shepherd and that he has always been the good shepherd that our hearts have longed for. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to see as we dive into John chapter 10. So let's get started. If you got your Bible still there, let's start reading in John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus speaking says, Truly I tell you, Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it up for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice, and they will never follow a stranger Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. And Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So let's just kind of stop right there. Obviously, as you've probably picked up on and we've alluded to already, is Jesus is going to teach these uh, Pharisees and and the people around him uh, in the context of an illustration using shepherds and sheep, right? That idea of shepherd and sheep is a picture that runs all throughout our Old Testament. We see God himself primarily as the shepherd of the nation of Israel and that they are the flock of 
his pasture. You see that theme in the Psalms. You see it in the prophets. You see that theme of shepherd all throughout of the Old Testament. And Jesus picks up on it here. And, uh, and he gives us some things that I think we need to learn from uh, about what we can look to find from Jesus and what we shouldn't really look to find from other sheep, so to speak. So uh, the first illustration Jesus gives us here in verses one through six, this idea of sheep and shepherd, he says that there are thieves and robbers who have come into the sheep pen by another means, but they're not true shepherds. Here, Jesus is referring to those Pharisees and religious leaders who were abusing and praying upon the people that God had entrusted to him. Jesus says, look, those are false shepherds. Those are thieves and robbers. But he says the true shepherd comes to the gate for the sheep, goes in through the gatekeeper and calls his own sheep out. So I think the first thing we got to understand is kind of the historical context uh, that Jesus is using to paint this picture. See, in the nation of Israel, sheep were incredibly common. They still are today. Shepherd was a very common job. It still is today. And in many ways, much like we have pets such as dogs and cats in America, back in that day, the people had sheep. And the place that they would often keep these sheep was outside of their community in a common sheep pen that would hold many different uh, folds or groups of sheep that belonged to different shepherds. And they would put those sheep in there. When they would come to get their sheep, they would come to the gate and they would begin to call out their sheep, often calling the sheep by name. And when the sheep would hear the voice of their shepherd, when they would recognize the name, they would come out of the pen and then the shepherd would gather his sheep fold and take them out to pasture. So what is Jesus showing us here? Here's, I think, the thing Jesus is trying to teach us here. It's Jesus who has called each of us, and it's Jesus that each of us should be following. You know, I said that people have been hurt by church and often unintentionally, and part of that is because many of us have at one time or another followed a pastor or a person more than we have followed Jesus. And the truth of the matter is that if we're following any pastor or any other leader, they're going to ultimately let us down at some point. They're not going to do for us what we hope they will do for us. They can't give us the things that our heart and soul desperately need. And then we will often be disillusioned because they hurt us and let us down. Maybe one of the most helpful markers of how well we are looking to Jesus versus looking to a personality or a church culture is if we leave a particular church, are we going to be more likely or less likely to go find a new one to attend? So right now today, if you've been hurt by a church and that's the thing that has kept you from looking to find another church, Maybe that's an indication that it wasn't really Jesus that you were following, but it was those people. You see, if when we leave a church, we can't find another church and we can't go anywhere else, it may be that we have been looking too much to the wrong things instead of following Jesus himself. You see, Jesus alone has placed his calling on our lives to follow him. He said that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and they come out. He leads them out. 
Jesus has placed a calling on our lives to follow him. And we cannot look to any other person or any other group of people to find that calling or purpose. If we do, we are just going to be setting ourselves up for disappointment. Jesus has called us. And it is Jesus that we must follow as our shepherd. Keep reading, though. John chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Here, here's the next I am statement. I am the gate for the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. So again here, this is the next I am statement in the Gospel of John. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the sheep gate. I am the door, depending on your translation. Uh, and when you read that, at first, it may sound weird that Jesus is referring him, to himself as a gate or a door, but it really does make more sense when we learn that he was probably referring to a very unique type of gate for a different type of sheep pen. Right? So after the shepherd has come and called his sheep out of that communal pen and he takes them out into pasture, they usually wouldn't just make that trip for a day. They'd stay for several nights as the sheep would graze. And at night, the shepherd would make a pen for the sheep uh, out of whatever he could. He'd get them in an enclosed area that only had one entrance. The door for those sheep pens was actually the shepherd himself. You see, the shepherd would lay his body across the entrance to keep the sheep in and to keep the wolves out. The shepherd really was the gate. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I am the gate for my sheep. Jesus, as the sheep gate, brings his sheep security, right? He, he is, yes, the only way into that fold. The only way that you get into that fold is going through Jesus, and let's be clear, we've said this for a couple of weeks now, but no one comes to the Father unless they come through Jesus. Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Jesus is the only way to salvation. You don't get to heaven without going through the gate. But more than simply allowing access to the sheepfold, the point of the sheep gate is also to prevent the sheep from wandering out. And so I think what one thing Jesus is trying to help us to see here is Jesus receives us, but he also keeps us. He is the means by which we come to the Father, and he is the means by which we remain with the Father. Jesus saves us, and he secures us. Once we are saved, we will never be lost again. Under his watch, it says here, that they are able to go in and out. And so maybe you're thinking, well, Chip, if he says go in and out, doesn't that mean that we can leave the sheep pen whenever we want? No, no, that's not the picture here. That idea of going in and out was a, a term that was used to denote the daily activities of life. This is not that some sheep choose to leave the fold and never return, but what this is is a picture of the abundance of provision that we have in Jesus. We can go in to security. We can go into belonging and protection, and he will also 
lead us out to the pastures of abundance so that we would have all that we need. That's what he says. I've come that they may have life in abundance. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't get sick. That doesn't mean that you'll never be broke. It just means that as long as you have Jesus, you will have what you need, and he will take care of you. But let's keep going because that's not where he finishes. Remember, I told you there are two I am statements in John chapter 10, and we're fixing to see the next. John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not a shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock with one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. So maybe this is the more famous of the two I am statements in John chapter 10, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And then he contrasts that idea of I am the good shepherd with the idea of the hired hand here, right? And I think that the big picture that Jesus is is, uh, painting for us is this. Why does a shepherd who gets his sheep, takes them out to the field, protects them at night, why does the shepherd care for his sheep? Because they are his sheep. That's why the shepherd cares, because they are his. And what Jesus is teaching the crowd, what Jesus is teaching us, is that he is our good shepherd who truly cares for each of us. The idea here, good, as in good shepherd, doesn't mean like above average. Jesus is the above average shepherd. It means that Jesus is the true shepherd means that Jesus is the genuine shepherd. Again, this is opposed to those false shepherds who would cast out the healed man, those who were just in it because of what they get from it. You see, those hired hands who are only in it for what they get from it, that those hired hands that care for us, they're ultimately going to let us down. But the good news is we belong to Jesus. He is going to care for us no matter what. Why? Because we are his. Now, if we're being honest, sometimes in life it can feel like he, he doesn't care for us. Or if he does care for us, he's not powerful enough to protect us. Because when we face suffering, where is our good shepherd then? So let me just tell you this. It's what Jesus talks about at the end of the passage we read, that Jesus has proved his care for his sheep. He has proved his love for his sheep by laying down his life for his sheep. Not that he was murdered, not that he was assassinated, but Jesus willingly, intentionally laid down his life as a sacrifice for his sheep that they might have eternal life. 
And we don't just see this here. We see this several places in Scripture. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 15.13, Jesus says, No greater love has a man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Romans 8.32 talks about that if God has given us Jesus, then with Jesus, he's going to freely give us everything else we need. 1 John 3.16 says that we know love because he first loved us and laid down his life for us. So we ought to lay down our life for our brothers. See, Jesus is the true shepherd who cares for us because we are his. So what do we take away from today's I am statements, right? We, we've talked about how uh, Jesus supplies. We've talked about, you know, all of these things. But what do we take away from this week? Here's what I want you to take away. Jesus provides. As our good shepherd, Jesus provides. He provides for us what our hearts desperately need, but we're ultimately unable to find anywhere else. Jesus provides the calling and the purpose that we long to find. No pastor, no person, no church is going to help you find the calling and purpose that Jesus has for you. You find that in him alone. Jesus provides the security and provision that we work to get a hold of. Right? We, we spend all of our lives trying to make sure that we are taken care of and we are secure That safety, security, provision, that only comes from Jesus as the gate. He keeps us. He provides for us. No one else is going to be able to bring that level of security and provision. Jesus provides the care and protection that our hearts need. Right? When we look around at the world, no matter how much someone loves you, you're always going to wish they loved you a little bit more. You're always going to wish they paid a little bit more attention. You're always going to wish that they cared a little more. And Jesus does. Jesus gives us that care and protection that we really are looking for in other people. So here's the deal. I can almost assure you that sooner or later, maybe even already, the church and those sheep in it are going to hurt you somehow. It may be their bad intentions. It may be your thin skin. Most likely, it's just going to be people being people. Sheep being sheep. And that is why we have to fight to keep our eyes on our good shepherd who will never leave us and never let us down. Look, friend, build your faith on him. Put your hope in him. Find your healing from him, not the other sheep. Why? Because the good shepherd is always going to provide for his sheep. So maybe today you're hurting. You have been hurt. I want to extend an invitation to you. Reach out to us. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. But most of all today, I hope you're reminded of the good shepherd who has called you, who has kept you, and who cares for you 
like nobody else on this earth ever could. And today, I hope that you'll get your eyes on him. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we are thankful for your word that even thousands of years later, it still speaks to us and convicts us. So God, I pray today that you would remind us we are your sheep, the people of your pasture, and we will never be able to find from other sheep, no matter how well-intentioned, those things that we should only find from you. So when people let us down, Jesus, help us keep our eyes on you. In your name we pray, amen.